Without doubt, one of the most challenging parts about being a dungeon master is coming up with fun and interesting NPCs to flesh out your world with. To truly make them fun and interesting, it takes a lot of work. This is especially difficult for spellcasters. Lucky for us, Magician's Menagerie has got us covered. It is a collection of arcanists with new spells, items, and inspiring stories to fill out your stories and campaign. Oh, and did we mention the artwork, the layout, it looks gorgeous. This product is coming to Kickstarter on February 15, 2022. They are running an awesome early bird special. Make sure you get in because it is jam-packed with fat loot. My dice are trembling with excitement. Are yours? Don't miss out on this one. Head on over to rebrand.ly slash magiciansmenagerie and introduce your players to characters they will never forget. The multiverse is real, and thanks to DC, they overly complicated it with... The Omniverse! Hello, welcome heroes to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Brandon is on his way. He got held up. Ian Dad. <laughs> yep. Today, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Today, we are discussing Mordekainen's Guide to Monsters of the Multiverse. All the new content, um, the new changes. Mostly, we're going to talk about the changes <laughs> because that's the thing everyone cares about. Uh, it's what I care about, um, <laughs> so we're super excited to delve into it. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Wizard to finding a way to empty my coin purse more than I needed it to yep. by forcing me to buy this in a pack with books I already have. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of our, our one big criticism so far because like, we like the book itself, but the way they're releasing it is not cool because they are selling it so far in only a three-pack, which contains Xanathar's and Tasha's, which most, most long-time players already own. So thanks and, for that. And they're not standing alone until May. And they don't even have it on D&D Beyond until May, <sighs> which was odd. So, but Which is, my, that's one of my biggest gripes. So, so once Wizards, we, what the hell? Yep. <laughs> so once we hit May, it'll be all good, but still. That's, uh. <laughs> We're gonna. There's a lot to talk about in the Mordenkainen's uh, Monsters of the Multiverse. First, I, we do want to get into some of the the different chapters in this book. It is mostly a monster ver, a monster book, but the other okay. part of it is really really nice. Now, the other complaint I have heard from some people say say about this comes from mis like some some complaint says see on the along the lines of is like okay, so this book is only just play races that we already got and monsters that we've been released. So why are we bringing this all over again? And you know what? That's a fair question. That's true. But, and believe me, there's quite a few dots after that but. <laughs> because, yes, it is races where we've seen, both playable and monster-wise, but they've all been revamped. <laughs> yes, and if anybody that has picked up the Xanathers and the Tajas knows that they've been progressively making changes and balancing balances to the game, and this has all been implemented in Mordekaiden's Guide to Monsters in the Multiverse. Uh, specifically for the races, which, by the way, um, in their first chapter, the fantastical races, you get over 30 options for player characters, uh, complementing the options in the player's handbook and other D&D books. Um, there are a few that are missing. We were actually having this discussion off air. Um, yep. Considering it's a book of multiverse and it doesn't have all of the characters from Ravnica, I was a little upset. 
because some of those yep. are some of my favorites. And they have like some, f- some from Theros, but not all. Like they have the satyrs in there and the minotaurs, but mm-hmm. they don't have the Leonin, which I thought was an odd omission. <laughs> yeah, and so we don't know what's going in. Maybe they're just trying to get a page count or what their deal yep. is, but... Uh... And they don't have the Dragonborn in there, but they also had the Dragonborn and Fizzbanes, which also mm-hmm. just came out. Now, granted, I can see why, like, okay, on one hand, Fizzbanes also just came out, but on the flip side, it would have been the same thing in one place, so... So let's talk about some of the, the, the changes. Obviously, the big one's going to be the ability score increases, right? Um, for those of you who don't know, um, for a long time, D&D races have had specific stats. So, for instance, an orc always got a plus two to strength, then they got a plus one to con, right? Yeah. So, uh, what they decided to do, um, if you picked up Tasha's you're already aware, that instead of saying these are the stats that race gets, because they're not all the same, and I think any show that showed you goblins, they're not all the same. You have big muscular ones, you have small scrawny ones, and so by giving that versatility to the player, it means they can build the character that they want without it uh, suffering some other way. For instance, if I want to play an orc wizard, I'm going to... It's really going to... Sure, I'm going to have a higher strength, but I'm never going to benefit from that. Right. And when I do, it's going to be very rarely. So for being able to apply those stats wherever you want... Yep. Is, is a benefit in the player's hands. Now, you still want that plus two strength within con with your wizard? Go ahead. You can just put them in there. But now other people aren't held to that same thing. And I think that, honestly, in my opinion, for customization purposes, I think that was a good design move. I can see I can both ways for that one, but that's another topic unto itself, too. Well, that's quite literally the topic we're discussing. Right. <laughs> but, um, like, like, I mean, like, it makes sense for example, like a halfling not being as strong as a half-orc, but that's another topic. Well, but doesn't that depend on the individual character? If you got a halfling that's been cranking out, busting, busting weights at the gym every single day, but you got an orc who is lazy and doesn't, you know, and only eats salads and is very scrawny and shit. But at the same time, like, it makes sense that a wolf is stronger than a chihuahua. It depends. But you get, I, I'm pretty sure a troll's going to lose to a tug of war every time. In a world of magic, I don't know that that's true. Because our adventurers are ha- chihuahua-sized to dragons. Yeah. But you also get what I'm saying. I see what you're anyway. saying. You're compa- comparing something non-magical to a world of magic. Anyways, true. so, uh, and I think that's one thing that makes it how you can get away with that sort of thing. Um, the other thing that they changed for the races, uh, which, by the way, the races they got in here are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the the fairy and the har- Haragon which are in uh, the Witch Light book that we covered recently. Surprisingly, Owlings were in there, um, too, for that matter. Dalsinia says, I heard a lot of flack about Tasha's making every character a Mary Sue, and what uh, I ended up seeing was a bigger variety of characters, and it was awesome. Absolutely. Um, while everyone wants to put all their points into their top priority stat, yep. some people want to cover their weaknesses. Because <laughs> that's the type of player I am, uh, especially when... Uh, everything is tied to like hit points and stuff, and con is something that often doesn't get as much attention because there's few races that benefit from it, uh, or well, that don't benefit from it that have to fight other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, aside, they also made changes to the languages, right? Um, no longer does your race determine the type of language you get; you just get to pick two. And one of them is common. And one of them is common. <laughs> Um, another big note, Probably. <laughs> another big note is, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but all the speeds are now 30. Yep. Um, that's a big, big change for ha- smaller races, uh, like halflings and gnomes. Cause you know, that 25, uh, foot could make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was yep. an interesting one. And then spell casting, you now choose which stat is the spell casting one instead of it being tied to one. And the also, that use- is so awesome. Cause now I can play a con. 
you're talking. Wait, you're talking about how you get to pick intelligence, wisdom, or charisma for yeah. innate powers. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. And how they gave the natural weapons overall a boost from a D4 to D6s. Yes. And um, and in a few cases, some races that had like a I resist all, all in general just became re- resistance to well, events just spell saves. Yes, which, which means it doesn't affect attack spell attacks. Which let's be real, kind of makes total sense because before it was kind of broken. Okay, so <laughs> there's something we talked about before the show about Goliaths. Yep. Um, and I know this is something you've brought up before. Your biggest concern. Do you want to tell everyone? Because I thought this was a pretty great tra- change. What? Okay. Like beforehand, the Goliaths they have their um, stones endurance trait, which was you roll d12, add your con, and could use it once every short rest, and that was it. Mm-hmm. They changed it to you can now use it once for for each of your proficiency saving throw bonuses per long rest, which I which is a change I kind of predicted from what we saw in Fizzbane's because mm-hmm. it seemed like they based a lot of stuff off of your proficiency bonus, which I just thought was a good idea. I'm like, okay, so this is the methodology they're going with here. I can see them doing this going forward. Yep. So that was not a change I was upset with at all. And that and that applies to a lot of the short rest mechanics for. Uh, monsters as well. Yeah. So if they had a short rest, you could usually only do it once for short rest. Now it depends on their level and their proficiency bonus. So yep. the higher the level, the more often they can use those short rest uh, mechanics, which I thought was a great change. Especially since some uh, racial abilities in the past have been tied to a bonus for a specific stat score, which... Right, right. It's like, I get, but... <laughs> can I just take a moment to appreciate the Hobgoblin artwork? Where he's got, uh, 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 looks like, a, what is that, a loot with an axe attached to it? Yep. Or it's an axe with a loot attached to it? Love it. it the Minotaur one, not so much. <laughs> is he, is the Minotaur one is a, uh, a bard too? No, it looks like a, Oh, uh, the artwork looks lame. Yeah. It looks like a cow. Move over. <laughs> All right. And not so, like a savage bull, which yeah, no, it, it is looks kind like, of what people like. <laughs> so um, there's lots of good stuff in here. Like I said, there's 30 different races. Um, so this is a really great resource for any player or even DM uh, DM if you want to uh, allow these uh, quickly to uh, be available at your game without needing numerous different books that you may or may not right. get, uh, which I think is really great. Um Andrew says, uh, the proficiency bonus is how I think they could fix true strike. Apply it to the next X strikes where X is proficiency bonus. That is a really good, interesting idea. Interesting. So that way, so it wouldn't be, uh, you still require concentration, but because it would apply to more attacks, it would, I can still see people making, well, yeah, because then you might, at the first time you get it, you'll be able to immediately offset the fact that it's not better just to attack twice. Because it's going to help more than one attack. I would like to see the numbers on that. It's a good idea. Um, all right, so or, obvi- or with Tordal, they they now changed it to they can't wear armor. Period. They took away their armor. No, no, they still have their natural armor. They just can't wear armor. <laughs> right, so they're basically stuck at seventeen plus a sh- plus, plus shield, so nineteen. Yeah. That's not too bad, I guess. I mean, they already had really high uh, true uh, benefits there, but they're stuck there. And, and there's a lot of good changes, but I think that's going to come down to who you are and what you think. Yep. Some of the ones... Yaunty. What about them? The uh, whole spellcasting spell, spell resilience, magic resistance. Once again, they have advantage saving throws, not oh, against and, all magic. instead of all magic. Yeah, yeah, which was a powerful thing to have as a player. 
So that's a really good change. The last thing on player options I think we need to talk on is cl- classes that had subclasses. There's no subraces. There's not subraces anymore. So, for instance, the... Um, is that one the either or option? Yeah. <laughs> In a nutshell. Asshole. I was getting there. That's <laughs> just taking me. I Apparently I can't there. find gnome. Because not Kongdom gnomes. They're Smurfeflin. Or Deep Gnome. Oh, that's why. Okay, well, that explains why I can't find it. But anyways, if it was a subclass before, or subrace, it's now just a collection of options. So you can kind of mix and match, which I think is pretty dope. Yep. Um, so I think that's it. Is there anything specifically you wanted to continue to touch on for the player options? Well, you, well, you mentioned you wanted to talk about the kobold as a monster, but... Yep. And as I said, well, since we're going to talk about Cobalt as a mouse, let's talk about them as the player race, too. Okay, and that'll be a good segue into it. So, um, the Cobalt race is actually one that's really interesting, because they lost a few of their more core features. Um, Specifically, they no longer have sunlight sensitivity uh, across the monster or the player race, and they no longer have pack tactics, um, Which is probably me to offset the sunlight sensitivity. But yes, hey. um, and, and I understand that that really is a, a thing, and that you know that's okay. But they changed their; they had an ability that was like groveling, um, and they changed it to dr- uh, draconic cry instead. So they took them from being these whiny, wimpy little "I'll beg for my life" type of creatures to letting out a draconic roar or cry or something that just sounds more badass than the groveling one now i was a little kind of uh, upset with that garwin says not really a fan of how they basically removed the hobgoblins military culture look at the names of their abilities and compare it to previous versions and that the art changed for them i like the military boys um and i can understand that mindset too and i made similar statements about orcs myself so yeah it's like i get it also worth mentioning that the Kenku aren't stuck m- making voices anymore. That's a shame, because I always thought that that was a good... It, it was a real challenge for a player to roleplay that. But at the same time, it's like, how can a Intelligence 20 guy not say the words they want? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can I can see that from a, 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 a story... Pers- or from a mechanics perspective. But... Although, if it was like a racial curse done by the gods, which it may be part of the lore, I don't remember. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Because, but... um... like I said, something changes... People complain about the past, like, okay, here's a culture, here's a race, here's, like, the racial abilities. So, like, okay, but some, in many cases, though, lore-wise, those actually made sense if you read the lore, which, let's be real here, most people did not do. In many cases, yeah. they weren't communicated well in saving the material. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so, uh, finishing up with the, the Cobalt. Oh, yes. it was called Gravel, Cower, and Bag. Yep. Um, so I was a little upset with that. Um, I think but you do get... I, I think you're just trying to make them not cowards. Yeah, default. <laughs> which is a shame because they, they were always the, I can't win, so I'm going to get a hundred of my friends to come whip your ass with me. <laughs> At least that's my how I've always felt about it. Um, if you're joining us on TikTok, head over to the Red channel. You can join us and interact and chat with us live. All right, so uh, here they did give Kobolds a new ability called Kobold Legacy, which I think is pretty cool. And you basically, it's one of those... You pick one of these options, craftiness, which basically lets you gain proficiency in an, uh, another skill, defiance, you gain advantage on, against being frightened, which I thought was a really nice one, and of course, draconic sorcery gives you one cantrip from the sorcerer's spell. Uh-huh. So this this really helps uh, show how versatile cobalts can be. And but but once again, you can choose int wisdom or charisma for your spellcasting modifier. Yep. So you can fit whatever uh, uh, class you decide to play. Which is really good. Um, 
So I think that'll do it for talking about the the races. As I said, there's a lot of them. Um, next, we're going to delve into the bestiary, uh, which contains over 250 monsters and NPCs, each one represented by a stat block and story text, which has changed for some of them. Yep. Um, and it's worth noting that when Jeremy Crawford made it very clear that part of this change was so that they would fit in a multiversal setting. Um, some people don't agree with that. Um, but it's your game. You can run whatever lore you want. Hell, you can pick lore from second edition and run it in your fifth edition game if you want. <laughs> or you could do Midgard campaign setting from Cobalt Press, which is really good. You should check it out. Yep. I'll say the biggest change, though, are mechanically, has been documented numerous times already. Mm-hmm. They got rid of the traditional spell lists in the same way the players do. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind this was for DM management. They basically made, essentially made them like, uh, like attack options, if you will, mm-hmm. that's on the stat block that explains what you do. Which, the plus and minus there is, I think on one hand, it's less booking for the DM, which many DMs can value completely. But I've also heard like uh, some DMs say, okay, but these creatures now do less compared to what they used to do before. Yeah, and... and There's ups and downs. Right, and, and the big thing, I, I kind of want to touch on that because there were some times, and I don't know how it is for you, where monsters had these just massive-ass spell lists, and it it could be hard for the person to choose the right one if they weren't experienced enough in yeah. the, the area. And I feel like, and I think they may have said this in their interview, that yeah. part of that problem was is you could have three different DMs and different skill levels run the same monster and you'll get three different results. Right. And the and the other question I've seen came up that I've yet to, as far as I know, at least, see a straight answer for is, okay, but how does that affect counterspell? <laughs> And to my understanding, they are not spells. Yeah. So some, I think the mage, mage one, if we can find it in here, um, it no longer has you know fireball on its spell list. It has a feature that basically is fireball, but it's not called fireball. Right. Now the closest I've seen so far was I've seen a lot of DMs or players say, if I'm running this this creature as it's from the step block and they're using an ability that that is so spell like, and the player chooses to cast counter spell, I'm gonna let them have it. And well, I can I can see that. I, I would agree with that. It's not in here. Which I totally get, but at the same time, it's like, but having a official ruling would be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know what? You can go on our Twitter and tag Jeremy and ask him to see if he'll answer. I doubt he'll answer. He never answers anybody uh, because he's tired of people third degreeing his decisions. <laughs> uh, especially after sides. asking him. So, uh, <laughs> I get both sides of that one, though, so... So, talking more a little bit about the monster stat blocks, Ian already mentioned, uh, that's a big change. I've also noticed that they've moved bonus actions Mm -hmm. down into the actions category. Right. It's also worth mentioning, too, that they also did change a lot of the numbers for some of the creatures. Mm -hmm. But part of the idea was they're trying to make them, in many cases, more in line with what their CR is. Which, especially with the the other changes they may or may not have made, too. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, on the 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 the, the spell listing thing, um, yep. their spell lists have shrank a lot too. Yeah. Like some of them that had like twelve spells now have like five, uh, which once again is to get the char- DM to play the character as it was intended. Which which is on the less versatility part I mentioned earlier. Right. But, hey. uh, Chill draws asks, is it so that they can be nerfed by uh, can't be nerfed by counter spell? Why even have counter spell then to nerf utility of spells? And short version, we don't know. That's the question that's, a lot of people are asking. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's kind of what his point is. We, there because there's not an official ruling um, that, that, that I've seen. 
Yeah, yes. And if you've got one, share in the comments or tag us or something. We'd love to see it. But if you're reading it as raw, these aren't spells, they're abilities. Um, you've seen monsters that can use, you know, the 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 action to do something that's spell-like, and before it wasn't able to be countered. Now maybe it can be. Welcome! Um, hey, there daddy is. Not my daddy. The, the daddy of... That's right, call me daddy. <laughs> so, um, can we just take a moment to appreciate the artwork, though? The artwork is always stellar with uh, the content that comes from Wizards of the Coast. Except, I mean, the, except the Minotaur. Except, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Minotaur wasn't super great, but... Uh, it was a cow. So, one of the other things that I don't like that they did, and I'm going to tell you why. So, welcome me. Good. is uh, the proficiency bonus is now in the stat block. And I don't like this because <laughs> before, and Jeremy Crawford has said this to my understanding, that monsters aren't bound by the same rules, especially when you create them, here, let's take a peek, as the players are. So players have certain proficiency bonus, that's all you get. But you easily could give a monster an extra you know, two points in a skill that they're proficient in without needing to justify it somewhere in the stat block. Right. I like that. I like that versatility. Now, if I want to, say, give that thief an extra plus two, so instead of a proficiency bonus of two, I give him a four, now I've got to put that in the stat block because somebody on the internet's going to be like, that doesn't match up there! Which has happened to me, even though in the book it told me not, I didn't matter. So... I don't like that change <laughs> at all, but that's a personal uh, opinion of mine. Hey, GMs. Who needs bad guys? We all do. How about more than 30 villains oven ready for your campaign? Kabooter Games presents Villains Next Door. Everyday people who have a gaping, pitiless void where they should have a conscience. Designed by a diverse team of creators, each villain has a history, goals, and three story seeds you can use with any system. And each comes with a 5e stat block. Funding on Indiegogo right now. Villains Next Door. Common people with uncommon evil. <laughs> Visit bit.ly slash villains next door and back it today. What are some of the other big changes that you noticed that really stuck out in anything that's maybe not necessarily tied to a specific uh, character or uh, monster? And like I said, they, they have changed in the lore here and there for, for some things we, we did touch on. And once again, a lot of people have have mixed feelings on it, and as I said before, I see both sides to it. Yeah. And given the fact there was over 250 entries for creatures in there, it's kind of hard to gravitate towards anything in particular. But Yeah, yeah. I would say um, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me were iconic monsters. Yeah. Like the Beholders are no longer xenophobic, um, narcissistic a-holes. Even though that's been their entire thing. Even though thing. that's their <laughs> shtick. Now... There's nothing from stopping us from running them that way, and I will continue to do so yep. uh, because I'm not necessarily uh, a conservative keeping the lore, but when I think Beholder, that's what I think. And, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also understand that they don't want necessarily those features to be locked when you include them into your, your own worlds or any multiversal uh, areas you go into. Right. 
And of course, there's the argument of if you want to change it, you could have anyway, but then that becomes circular logic because both sides can make that argument. So. Yeah. <laughs> you really like to ride that line. I can see both sides, don't you? Yeah. But, and you. I know you find it annoying, but at the same time, I know you get it. <laughs> I get it. But yes, it can be annoying. <laughs> Just a straight answer. This is dumb. <laughs> That'll be the day. Oh, there's another. There's another change. Although, if you hear me ever say it's dumb, that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so Fey ancestry. Yeah, they threw that out to quite a few of these, actually. Th- that is no longer what it once was. No. Um, I need this because I want to get the. Actually, I'm sure I've got something on this list what here is it now. Uh, or is it trance? Is it Fey ancestry or trance? They changed. Yes. <sighs> Damn it! And I <laughs> <laughs> look for Elf here. Uh, they... Actually, they did because they do document both and changes. So, so Fey ancestry, right? So, what's it say? All right, for for Fey ancestry, magical sleep of this trait has been moved to the trance feature. Yep, which is now given to goblinoids, which includes goblins, hobgoblins, bugbears, which I thought was odd, but yeah, some people have said goblins have been Fey in the past, so it's not. So not some people change. have saw as a return to form. In trance, as mentioned above, it now grants immunity to magical slumber. Now, more clearly specified that you're conscious while making the long rest. And we now finish the long rest, it gets you two to gain two proficiencies you did not have before. And each must be a weapon or tool of your choice that isn't a PHB. These last until the end of your next long rest. <laughs> you don't want to look to that no more? So Dulcinea says, oh, come on, that's awesome! Or that was awesome, the advantage against charm was great. I disagree as somebody who's always trying to charm the party members <laughs> that's always a pain in the ass <laughs> um they did change a lot of resistances and immunities some of the uh like um some of them went from immunity down to like resistance which i thought was interesting or saves and not yeah so attacks there's really a lot to go on uh going on in this book and honestly overall i think the changes are for the better yeah Overall, uh, with yes. the exception of maybe some of the, the lore changes from a historic standpoint. I understand wanting to be able to change lore like goblins and stuff like that, but um, the iconic ones, they are trying to, you know, fit them, make them more um, malleable, right, for any setting, right. uh, which is good. Uh, Dulcinea says, as a player who deals with a DM that loves hags, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so, uh, Brandon, what are your thoughts on this book, looking through it for the first time? Or what you may have heard before. <laughs> much time to look through it. Are these, are these new, uh, races you can actually play as? No, yeah. they're all old races. They just revamped them. Yeah, they're old races that are from a collection of different books compiled into one. Which, once again, what, 30 what is a lot. I want to be a fairy. I want to be a Genasi. <laughs> I like Genasi. They, ooh, that's the other thing they changed. They changed yeah. the way the Genasi's spells work. Yeah, they um, did. <laughs> they are they uh oh, shit. Hang on, let me find it here, because I thought that was like that was such a huge, huge change. Yep. Okay, so uh, for one thing, they can all now be medium or small, which that was interesting. <laughs> that was that was a good change too. Like you can change your size depending on how you want to roll. Um, so uh, the 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 Genasi spells, I think they give them access to different spells now yeah you get more powerful ones but it's delayed on when you get them is that correct it, uh, so some of them yes is that not for, true for all of them 
Um, I just don't want to make a blanket statement without right, right, without actually having it in front of us. Well, we do have it in front of us, but right. we're not mm. going to jump through it because we only have two minutes left to talk about our main topic. And let's be real here with only a half hour, we can only scratch the surface so much. Yeah, and and <laughs> once again, um, this book is a one stop shop for you as a player and dungeon master. Um, obviously, it's mostly geared towards the uh, <laughs> children. I was like, wait, I can be a small genasi? Sweet. Yes, you can. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why they changed the foot movement. Yeah. So it would uh, you wouldn't be penalized for wanting to be smaller. Um, but once again, yeah, short legs. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know. Uh, all right. So is there any other things we wanted to touch on? Uh I, there's one more I want to touch on, but do you guys have anything? Not at the top of my head. Brandon, do you want to tell us about uh, yeah, the challenge rating changes? Challenge rating changes. Uh, while few players reach some of the upper echelons, echelons of D&D gaming. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, those of us that do reach those levels have found that monsters tend to feel like they are pulling their punches. Huh. So thanks to Lost Odyssey of Theros adding the mythic trait, those monsters are less so, but the Wizards of the Coast game design lead is well aware of it. Thus, the monsters are getting big changes, as Jeremy Crawford told Gizmodo. We've gotten pretty consistent feedback since the core books in 2014, that's for sure. Jeez, 2014. God, I'm old. It's <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> already been that long. Yes, it has. My God. Uh, the, a number of our high Sierra monsters felt a bit too weak. Mm-hmm. Like they were punching below their challenge rating, and that that does seem true, doesn't yeah, it? So, yeah. So, and now it seems clear that it won't. They're not. They didn't get an overhaul, but instead, some of the higher CR monsters are just getting beefed up. Oh, I thought you were getting, so they made them the proper CRs. So when, <laughs> uh, so you know, Jeremy said that part of this. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely having dra- dragon troll flashbacks. Dragon troll. That's dra- a thing. Dra- dragon turtle. Dragon, Dragon Turtle. Turtle. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so part of the, uh, according to Jeremy Crawford, part of this work uh, for Mordekainen's uh, um, book here is changing how these monsters earn their challenge rating. The calculation was awful. <laughs> Uh, in the previous books, the monsters did hit their challenge ratings, but we used different method to hit it. In the past, all the monster had to do was have a set combat options, a set of combat options that if the DM chose the right set, the monster's challenge, monster's challenge rating would, would be there. You know, here's the issue with that approach. If the DM doesn't happen to pick the golden path of abilities, a number of those monsters then fall uh, under their challenge rating, which is definitely, um, a problem. So in Monsters of the Multiverse, they changed their approach. They've now made it so that each of the monsters have multiple choice sequences that lead to the same CR calculation. And so that's going to what that's going to do is give groups who have never fought the optimal version of a monster way more powerful. <laughs> You're boned. Uh, they did also uh protect their non-combat options so it is possible for a monster to not be as threatening as a CR, CR may seem um, but it did, they did make it clear to the DM in this book that when they are taking the path the DM will be able to make more informed choices and I think that that's a real <clears throat> critical aspect. That kind of reminds me how back in 4th edition there was a lot of complaints about how the earlier release monsters, the fights went too long but, mm-hmm. and part of that was because they felt the monsters didn't do enough damage and they had way too much health Mm-hmm. So I do know what the common compensation was. It's like a lot of DMs like, okay, we'll cut their health in half, but double their damage, which yeah. did speed up combat, but still kept them threatening. So, yeah. 
Uh, Chill Draw says, so this could be considered the first 5.5 book. Yes, I would agree with that that statement. Certainly a stepping stone. Well, I guess we'll get that one to Fizzbane's, but yes. <laughs> Damn it, yeah, you're right. Fizzbane's came out first. <laughs> but this is a, a continuation, and I think this is the direction they're going to be taking it. So, that's all that I wanted to get out, obviously. I wish. Uh, what's up? Can we all just agree that centaurs are weird? Yep. Yes. Do the pants go over the backside or like the bottom half of both front and back legs? Pants. Pants. Yeah. Like, how does a centaur wear pants? They don't. They don't. Uh, that's a problem. What if they're in public? Their dong is just hanging for everyone to see. Same with the horse. Yeah, but the horse isn't not a sentient creature that can walk into a, a whorehouse around the corner and go. <laughs> Ever seen monkeys at a zoo? Just saying. <laughs> That gap between the teeth looks like your mama had an affair with Mr. Red. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, I really wish the Wizards would have released this so I could buy the digital version. I wanted to show you guys this as we talked about yeah. it. Uh, but they didn't, and they managed to squeeze more money out than I wanted to invest in books I already have. I'm sure there's some... Uh... <laughs> Uh, PDS with a Jolly Roger on, on them out there somewhere. <laughs> Not that we're encouraging that! <laughs> Brian Minnis says, wow, y'all went there. Oh, d- you have no idea. We've went there, we've been there, and we'll keep going back. <laughs> yep. Still talking uh, the centaur shit? What? Yeah. <laughs> Guess so. Alright, so, uh, before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, I want to tell you guys all about our Warlord Martial class coming out February 12th. You've heard me talk about it on the show, myself and Ian. Fourth edition, despite what everyone says, was a good game system. As long as you went in there with the right expectations. Yes. If you went in expecting D&D, you didn't get that. If you went in expecting a good tactical RPG, you got that. Well, Warlord was one of my favorite classes. It is a non-magical class that yells and screams, Fusro Da! To buff everybody up all the time. And... I was only a matter of time before I took that and converted it to 5th edition. Um, thanks to DM's Guild, we can use that lore and yep. that IP to to bring that to life. And I'm super excited for this. It uses its, its hit die as a source to wield its power instead of spell slots or something along those lines. So when you uh, raise a, a, a battle shout, is what they're called, a bat one, is one of the shouts, uh, is a battle shout, you'll spend a, a number of hit die up to your proficiency bonus and grant some sort of uh, some sort of buff to your allies. It might be a damage increase, it might be a chance to succeed, uh, increase uh, add dice roll added to saves. Um, it does, uh, there's there's like 12 of them, there's a lot. And uh, I don't really remember them all because I wrote it like six months, <laughs> we wrote it like six months ago or so. So it's been a while, but uh, I'm super excited and hopefully you guys will keep an eye out and will want to enjoy that because we feel like there we set a poll out there a while ago that asks what kind of classes would you like to see and more martial was one of the top answers that yeah. aren't in based on spells. Yeah. Now I definitely don't m- mind making the world its own class again, but I'm still surprised that Wizards actually didn't release it as a archetype if you will for the, the fighter. fighter. Yep. Which well, I, they kind of give do cover it a little bit with a feat and some of the maneuvers. And I feel like that's what they tried to do with the purple dragon knight, but yeah. as I said before on the uh on our conversation, you you're like, do you know why people play the purple dragon knight? Why? Because they suck. <laughs> I was trying to get at the fact that it is 
tied so much to lore, but yeah, he's right. The mechanics weren't designed well either. No. Anyway, so uh, please consider keeping an eye out for that. And if you want to try a fun martial support class that takes the front, buffs their allies, please consider uh, picking up the Warlord by Crit Academy. Yeet. All right, now on to our honor tips and tricks. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Uh, Ian, would you like to tell us about our strange-ass character concept today? Yeah, I'll admit, the name threw me off at first, too. Our character concept is Dagger of Clay. Yes, that's her name. She's a female tabaxi, and she's a woman of bearing and well-nourished. She tends to wear a large tan jacket, and she wears a deerstalker hat to hide the fact that she's balding. Huh. Her personality is that she is shy and timid. Uh, she has not had much interaction with people and is skittish around them, like most kitties. Yep. <laughs> she lacks moral complications. She does what she is told to do by those in power, but uh, not much else. She spends her money on whatever she fancies at the time. Now, it is worth noting that she was born into a rich family. She went to a religious school and was inspired by priests there in charitable deeds. Though, she is talented as a spice merchant in spite of her timidness, timidness, but she doesn't like to broadcast it because, you know, she's timid. Is that a, is that a reference to skooma? I have no, no, it's not. It's a happy accident. <laughs> what are motivations? Yep. She's trying to debounce her hectic life. And being a new spice merchant, responsibilities is difficult. And she decides she is irredeemable. I imagine that's because she grew up in, uh... So, someone looking at a shy tabaxi who thinks life sucks. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least her life, anyway. Yeah. Um, she's pretty chill. I like this because you don't see too many merchants that are reserve. Um, Because usually a merchant is this very outgoing, bolsterous character, Uh um, and she's not. And I buy this. You want to buy this? This is what you want. Don't go to her around the corner. (sighs) You like some spine? Never mind. (laughs) Also, the fact that she's balding is hilarious as a tabaxi because that means it's all around her body, not just not just her head. Though she does wear a hat, (laughs) um, which I thought was a lot of fun. So. Uh, pretty straightforward character concept. Uh, hopefully you like it. Deerstalker uh, hat. Deerstalker. Yeah, deerstalker hat. What's a deerstalker hat look like? I feel like I know, but I can't describe it. Uh, that's not a Robin Hood hat, right? Oh! No. Oh, like the, oh, like the, a Victorian England the that, duck hunting uh, gentleman? Yeah, Dr. Uh, uh, or no, uh, Sherlock wore one, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, one of these. Yeah, oh, Sherlock Horror. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty, so that'll do it for our character concept, Dagger of Clay, which, by the way, is totally on par for the way you name Tabaxi. Yep. Heart Sphinx Cat? Absolutely. Actually, the inspiration what? was closer to Dragon Ball Z uh, Super, Dragon Ball Super, with um, Beerus. Beerus. What did you just say? What'd you call it? A Sphinx Cat. What? I don't know. I, I thought I heard something about Bart Sphinx Scat. And I'm like, okay. What? <laughs> A scat man, scat a bop Anyway, all right. So that'll do it for our character concept: uh, a dagger of clay. Our monster variant today, you guys, is going to be awesome. And thanks to Wizards of the Coast, my magic resistance is not uh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the monster today is the Yakan. Yakan. No, Yakan. 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 Leviosa. So. <laughs> 
It's not Leviosa. It's Levioso. I guess. I don't know. Anyways, the origin for this monster, you're going to start with the orc stat block. We're going to drop the aggressive and great act uh, features. We're going to give them some uh, increase to stats for the wisdom to 14. We're going to give them skills in medicine, nature, perception, persuasion, and survival. And we're going to give them new languages. Common, druidic, and sylvan. Ooh. <laughs> Brandon, would you like to tell us about the first feature it gets? The first feature it gets is magic resistance, which I believe is something I saw in the book. Yep. Uh, the y- Yakan. Y- Yakan. 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 Actually, yeah, it's based on the yak, actually. Yak. I'll, I'll show you. Yak. Yak. That's pretty good. <laughs> the Yakan uh, has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Speak with beasts and plants. Uh, the Yakan can communicate with beasts and plants as they shared a language yeah huh. i want to show everyone a picture so this is like a minotaur but it's a yak yep yeah Pretty i'll show much. you a picture of so uh ian would you like to tell us about our next feature yak. why certainly <laughs> nature's sanctuary <laughs> creatures of the natural world sense the yakon's connection to nature and become hesitant to attack it when a beast or plant creature attacks the yakon it must make a dc12 with saving throw if it fails it must choose a different target or attack automatically misses. So it's kind of like Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. On a successful save, the creature is immune to this effect for 24 hours. And the creature is aware of the effect before it attacks the Yakon. Yak. Yak. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, we're also going to give it powerful build, which means it counts as one size larger for determining carry capacity and push the weight it can push, drag, or lift. Yeah, yeah. Moo. Uh, <laughs> Moo. Oof. Bitch, get out the way. <laughs> All right, so for actions, oh we're going to give it some new powers. We're going to give it the Mark of the Hunter. The Yakon can use a bonus action to mystically make a creature within 120 feet its quarry. For one hour, the Yakon deals an extra 1d4 damage to the target whenever it hits it with a weapon attack. Sound familiar? Yep. It's uh, a weak hunter's mark, mark right? Yeah. Uh, additionally, the Yakon has advantage uh, on wisdom, perception, and survival checks to find that target. Um, and it can move it, you know, when it drops to zero. Um, anyways. Moo. We're also going to give it a reaction called the Briar Thorn Armor. While the Yakon wears its tribal armor, it the thorny bark armor can damage attackers. When a creature grapples or is grappled by the Yakon, it can, uh, or if it hits it with a melee attack, the Yakon can use its reaction to deal 1d4 piercing damage. That's the Yakon. I even got a picture of it. Boom! Where'd it go? It's not there. There it is. Okay, there he is. That thing. Uh, Yak. It's very, I, lo- I really like this monster. Uh, this is the one, f- uh, it'll, it- what do you guys think? I it's think it sounds fun. It's, it sounds fun. I would yeah. have a fun time with it. Yeah, I'll be, uh, be poking some people. Now, uh, I, I did just finish writing adventure for our patrons that includes this monster and one of the maps Brandon made. And what's funny is these are not necessarily evil creatures. If you notice, there was some druid tossed in there, right? Yep. With the sylvan and the druidic and stuff and the, the nature sanctuary. Um, these are meant to be a neutral people. With the exception in this adventure, they've been diseased by accident by travelers. So um, I'm really excited for that to come out. Please consider becoming a patron. You'll be able to get this monster fully fleshed out lore, stat block, all that jazz. As well as, you know, access to the adventure that's coming out. So what would you do to get the most out of this? Have more than one. That's a good start. <laughs> have more than one. <laughs> the, the idea of these bastards like just be love giving bear hugs was something that came through my mind. Like they're so 
they're such a community driven yep. people that they just want to hug everyone, but they're wearing this thorny ass armor. <laughs> Come and give me a daddy a hug. Well, since, since yaks tend to hang out in herds, oh, yeah. I, I would imagine that it could actually hide in a herd and no one would suspect a thing because Ooh. of the way it looks. What? And what, when they're walking along by the herd, he just goes, Gotcha, bitch! Let's grab one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, that kind of ties in with our player tip. Wait, small uh, tease ahead. Oh, I like that. Um, all right. I think that'll do it for our monster <laughs> variant, the Yakon. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our encounter of the podcast? Our encounter is the Smorgasbord. DM inspo on TikTok. Yes, so, uh, for clarification, I did not come up with this idea. I saw a video, and I just fleshed it out. Sure. Smorgasbord. Huh. I came up with the name, too, because I'm weird. When the characters enter a large city, they stumble across a moderately sized shop that sells quality items and even some with magical properties. Ooh. Raymond Dale, a spy is owner and operator of the establishment. When entering, a character with a successful DC-17 passive wisdom perception check uh, spots some etchings well hidden on the hinge of the entryway. A character with thieves' cant spots it as a general warning to avoid doing business in this store. Whoa. I mean, if thieves won't do business here, that should tell you something. (laughs) Right? Uh... Inside the shop, they sell... Items at ridiculously low prices. Most items are easily half the price of market value. They're cursed. <laughs> They're cursed. <laughs> they gotta be here. <laughs> a character who succeeds on a D- DC 15 Wisdom Insight or has the Guild Arson background can quickly deduce the shop could barely stay afloat at such price margins. A character that's, that succeeds on a investigation check spots a collection of small jewels in the ceiling. It's not spelled right. A successful oh, DC-19 Arcana check or the detective magic spell reveals the true nature of the jewels. Arcane instruments used for scrying. I believe oh. autocorrect for that. Alright, so <laughs> let's talk scrying. about the reality of this. The shop doesn't trade in valuable equipment, but instead in information on its customers. A clan of vampires use the shop and merchant as a source of choosing who the best feeding stock is and keeps their business dealings in the dark. Nice. What the fuck? (laughs) What do you guys think about that? Plot twist. And a good one, too. (laughs) It's underhanded bullshit is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I I really tried hard to include other features like the Thieves' Cant and the Guild Artisan to automatically get benefits. (laughs) 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 Oh my god! Mark Zuckerberg runs this shop! Oh my god. Um, I am the devil. I was Zuckerberg before Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that this is a fun uh, encounter just because the the straight up um, ass backwards twist that's tied to it. When something is too good to be true, it it probably is. And so a group of adventurers might be really excited to get some new magical equipment at a discount price. But then are attacked in midnight by spawn vampires in their spawn, uh, which is just awesome. <laughs> Delcinia says, I want to use that in my game so bad. Well, luckily for you, you can. Just make sure you use the right ceiling, like as in the roof, and not the ceiling as in binding somebody, because I put the wrong yep. one there. I'm now flashing back to a uh, <laughs> meme of a fighter who, who was jumping as a clown, and the party member is like, why are you doing that? In case the villain tries to scry us. Because the, the, it's like the, the BBEG back in its first leading to a crystal ball. <laughs> a clown? This thing must be busted. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, 
<laughs> that was a joke on Family Guy. <laughs> ah, that sounds Pe- hilarious. Peter's out in Vietnam. He's got a clown suit on. He's like, ah, you guys got it all wrong. They're going to be looking for army guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nat one deception or disguise check. check a disguise kit check if I ever heard one. All right. That'll do it for our encounter. The smorgasbord. Uh, sleep well, adventurers. Oh, I get it. Smorgasbord. Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah. You don't get it till you get to the last, like, three lines. Yeah. <laughs> now, our magic item today, the battle standard of celestial might. All might. That sounds epic already. It's a very oh, rare, <laughs> wondrous item that requires, that requires attunement. This holy forged oh. battle standard is made of celestial steel and fitted in a small, unopened, gilded crystal orb containing the feathers of a solar's wing. The orb has 19 AC, 10 hit points, and immunity to all types of damage except force. If the feather is destroyed or released, the banner becomes a mundane item. What's a solar? It's an angel. It's an angel. Powerful, powerful angel. Oof. While you hold this banner, your weapon attacks and those of all allied creatures within 300 feet of you count as magical for the purposes of overcoming damage immunities and resistances. Additionally, each weapon deals an additional 1d4 radiant damage. What do you guys think? (laughs) That's a sexy-ass buff. (laughs) It's a very nice buff. Uh, It's alright for the standards here. Um, all right, I, I really like this. I thought this was an interesting mechanic. I'm going to be honest, this was a different flavor magic item that I changed um, because it was something from Avernus, my Avernus book, I think. Yeah. Um, but instead of sense. angels, it applied to like demons and devils and shit. Yeah. Um, so I changed some stuff, but I really wanted something really nice that was more of a support thing. And the idea of adventurers just running around with a big stick and holding it. Why isn't he fighting? I've got a more important job to do. <laughs> and for the record, a Solar is a CR-21. So the real question <laughs> is, how the hell did they get a CR's wing, uh, wing feathers to, into this little container? It was a gift. Ooh, I like that. That's much less brutal than I was imagining. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the answers are more mundane than you would think. <laughs> Alright, that'll do it for our uh, magic item, the Battle Standard of Celestial Might. Our Dungeon Master tip is prep the world, not the plan. So a common theme for newer Dungeon Masters is spending time prepping based on what they expect the player characters to do. Good luck. This is a good thing to consider when prepping, but don't spend too much time on it. Time and time again, players do the unexpected. Trying to predict that is like winning the lottery. Sure, it happens, but usually to someone else. <laughs> like, do you really expect players to uh, polymorph a dragon turtle into an actual turtle? Nope, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, spend your time preparing uh, the world around them. Mm. Flesh out the location, NPCs, current political climate, or events that are happening around them. By spending more time on the environment that the characters spend their time in, you have a good, solid idea of what's going on with or without the characters. Yeah. This significantly builds confidence when it comes to running the game when you are forced to improvise from disjointed or unexpected character (laughs) decisions. Focus on what you can control and less on what you can't. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, We design the world and have control over it. We don't control the players and their characters. Well, 
yeah. <laughs> All right. So Keep overall, this is a pretty straightforward concept. Um, like Justin here. What? Like you. You're like, oh, I don't like this gnome anymore. Can you kill him off? It's like, yeah, sure, I'll kill him off for you. And he gave me the hardest time I've ever had in trying to kill a character. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah. You're like, Wasn't I'm that the sure. one that you tried to step on to death? That's the one I did step on to death. Oh. <laughs> I tried to run. With the snake, with the snake guards. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is one of those tips that really needs to be written out in plain words for Dungeon Masters and the DMG. Yeah, um, that'd be good. Because I have been down that road where I'm like, okay, where are you guys planning to go? We're planning to go this way. But we're when the game time comes, I plan for it to go that way, and they go the other direction. Because they suck sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's a waste of your effort. But by taking time to focus on the area, um, uh, Drew and Dragon says, dropping in, wishing everyone a happy Sunday, and hoping you are well. Thordgard lives. Thordgard! Our winner on Clash of Classes. If you've not seen it, you should go and check it out over at our YouTube channel right now. We have a nice playlist of three for you. Seriously, Anyways, people are liking it. <laughs> right. It's People love it. It's blowing yeah. up. So uh, consider checking it out. Anyways, um, this needs to be something that's in there. Because if you spend less time figuring out where the players are going and decide, it, okay, here's the, 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 the noble that's running the place. Here's what he's doing. Here's the problems he's having. Here are the troublemakers in the city. Here how they're affecting this location over here. No matter where the players go, something is going on and you can react to it better, even if it is improv. Uh, all right. So uh, Dungeon Master Chip. Prep the world, not the plan, because... Good luck. What did, what did, uh, what did, uh... Character players are assholes? You watched Flash, right? The, yeah. Uh, the, the Citizen Cold, or not. Uh, Captain Cold, he once said one of my favorite lines. Um, uh, write the plan, or make the plan, write the plan, and then throw out the plan. <laughs> when everything goes to hell or something like that. It's a great quote. Um... Yeah, uh, just something you gotta uh, 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 check out. All right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. Uh, prep the world, not the plan. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our uh, player tip of the podcast? Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. Actually, this one is dickitude. This one is dickitude. It was Zen Zed Shuffle. Is it called the Zen Zed Shuffle? Yes, that's what I called it. Okay, from... during our class, <laughs> did you forget? Yeah, uh, <laughs> during our clash of classes, second match, one of the players delivered a fantastic combo. The Circle of the Moon Druid has an extremely versatile collection of spells and features, but the clever use of wild shape, dick, and conjure <laughs> animals makes for a powerful misdirection and ambushing technique. I cannot believe. All right, which one of these uh, cows is the druid? <laughs> the quote is, make the plan, execute the plan, expect the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. Yep. <laughs> Yes, I could not believe when this happened. We were both kind of confused from like, where'd the player go? Because <laughs> he shape shifted into one of the octopuses. Yeah, like it, it just it blew my mind. Not only is this a great player tip for just demolishing any plans that your uh, your uh, DM has, uh, no. but also your DM can use this too. So please do. Um, I think this is a, a masterful. Um, tool for misdirection and escape or um, overwhelming your enemy. Mm-hmm. I think the best part about seeing this is when we realized what was going on. Oh, yeah. You're like, why are the three octopus? <gasps> the player's one of them. That, the player's one of them. Well, I think at first it was like, why did he summon an octopus? <laughs> it's stuck <laughs> in the water. 
<laughs> oh, genius. So the Zen Zed shuffle is from our player Zen Zed uh, in our Clash of Classes game. Uh, uh, player yes. versus player, it 1v1. Was... It was epic. It, it was great. It was clever. Shuffle. So uh, <laughs> definitely uh, consider checking that shit out. Um, yep. All right. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by applying the Zen Zed shuffle. Dalsinia says, what Drew. the hell? It's almost over Drew. already? Why did that go by so fast? Because Hopefully you're because you're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. I hope. <laughs> or it's because I showed up late and it just seems like short. <laughs> yeah, without without you here, it, uh, it, do, it, does, it does go faster. It does go faster. <laughs> like, no, that wasn't a negative thing. It's because <laughs> I'm not asking both of you for a, your thoughts. Not because... Yeah. You're not fun. You're very fun, Brandon. I, I hope so. You, Brandon. I want you to know that. I love you too. Like a brother. You're no, appreciated. Not that kind of brother. Well, well. <laughs> 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 All right. That'll do it for our show today. Uh, before we close out today, every week we like to give away fat loots. Brandon, what are we giving away today? Today we're giving away the gulp. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, okay. We're giving away something called The Goblin Bathwater Incident by Marius Bruner. <laughs> the Goblin Bathwater Incident is an introductory adventure centered on a rural town and its many forms of intrigue and insanity. The players have to investigate ancient caves, solve goblin immigration issues, and find a resolution for the insurmountable discord between the town's political figures. What's that to do with bathwater? Literally on the front of the cover, it says an alchemist, a fisher, and a goblin walk into a bar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? So, um... That's what the, it's got five If stars. you don't know, goblin bathwater is a magical drug that um, has taken hold in a sleepy coastal town oh. at the edge of an empire. Okay. As the characters investigate the origin of the drug, they uncover this kind of criminal conspiracy with wild and ancient magics and threats to, you know, the world and, and stuff. It, it really is a great adventure. It's amazingly well written. Kudos to Amarius Bruner, and thank you for submitting it. Who is our winner today, Brandon? Uh, it's a PC Dorney. Didn't win? No problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe to our newsletter for your chance to win. That's all it takes. Uh, sign up. There's all kinds of benefits to signing up, including getting a free copy of our best-selling challenge accepted please go do it if you enjoy the show and want to support us visit us at critacademy.com follow us on social media and leave us a review five star nonetheless if you could yes you can do it on spotify now so if you've got spotify please go and leave us a review and on spotify please do that spotify we want more spotify we need some delicious five stars <laughs> luscious and succulent <laughs> Uh, I feel like I'm supposed to say something else, but I guess I am your host, Justin. I'm your host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Damn, we nailed it!
Hey, Crit Nation. Do you love our show, Crit Academy? Well, we just put out a survey, and you have a chance to help us improve to better your listening experience. We're hoping to collect some information to make our show better, not only for you, but for others who might be interested in listening to the show. So, you can help us improve by visiting rebrand.ly slash crit survey. Take a couple of minutes to really help us out and potentially uh, change the way the show runs for the better. All participants will be entered to win a $25 DMs Guild gift certificate. So, please consider filling it out and uh, helping us improve for the future. Keep your blade sharp and spells prepared, heroes. And to be honest, when we said a uh, goblin bathwater, I thought it was like referring to a what's your name, Delphine or Bill Delphine selling her bathwater on eBay. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Goblin selling bathwater is like a, a soup. Oh my god! <laughs> it's uh, one of something is beer in the tavern. <laughs> what, is what, is, what is this? Beer tastes funny. <laughs> It tastes like goblin piss. <laughs> well, he we tell him not to go in the tub. <laughs>